What's going on, Drinking Boys? Brand new podcast coming right at you. But you know what we got to do first? We got to talk about the things that generate a little revenue for the show. First and foremost, we are brought to you by the Patreon. That's right. We have a Patreon. Home to exclusive content. Uncensored video versions. The video versions a week before they release on YouTube. Once again, uncensored. The whole back video catalog, which involves a lot of uncensored shows that I'm not going to bother to go back and censor for YouTube. Most importantly, it just helps out the show. Every little bit helps. Hell, you can support this show for as little as 10 cents a day for $3 a month, less than a cost of a beer. If you are enjoying the show, consider uh, joining the Patreon. We are also brought to you by my Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash Slayer. Every Thursday night, if you're listening to this on Thursday, Thursday is community game night. We do social deduction games. The community hangs out. Join the Discord. Come hang. It'll be a lot of fun. Once again, at twitch.tv slash Slayer. Last but not least, the thing you can do to help the show the most. First, tell your friends. Just tell people about the show. Share posts. Spread the word. Let people know the show exists. The hardest thing about podcasting is standing out from all the other shows, just letting people know the show even exists. So just tell your friends. It's really that easy. The other way you can support the show that costs absolutely nothing is go to youtube.com slash now we drink. Subscribe. Help with the algorithm goodness. My guests this week are the hosts of the Kinky Cocktail Hour podcast, Master Saffer and Lady Petra. This is a kink-heavy episode. They get into a pretty deep dive about their kinky lifestyle and how they found each other, how they escaped vanilla marriages, and just got all up in that kink life. If you want an education on kink, this is the episode for you. So, sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy, drinking buddies. What's going on, guys? So we are literally doing podcast to podcast here. We are going from <laughs> I was just on Jesus. I've been drinking and can't talk. That's always a good way to start a podcast. Like, oh yeah, thirty minutes of just pounding booze on an empty stomach, and I forgot how to do intros or anything. Apparently, you have to record. You have to press record. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um. <laughs> so take two no <laughs> thankfully we are recording we are that much i remembered it's at the end of it well i remembered to actually save the file oh nice oh, nice that's important too so you are recording because i didn't see the yeah. recording button come up oh no who uses zoom's internal recording yes that's, of course yes right. zoom's internal recording is absolutely <laughs> for the folks that want to know about podcasting zoom's internal recording is absolute garbage it's that like Sub HD rates. It's not even like it's barely SD, and the sample rate is completely subpar. So I am actually recording your guys' audio through my mixing board directly to SD, and then I am screen capturing the the Zoom call. 
Okay, nice, gotcha. nice. You're like a sophisticated podcast. <laughs> I, 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 may, I may have done this once or twice. You've got <laughs> skills. <laughs> and actually, when it comes to being in post, what will happen is it will go from, we're curr- at least on my end, we're currently in gallery view. It will go between speaker view, but I hate Zoom's internal speaker view because it will often not bounce over when people start talking. Right. So I'm actually capturing my feed individually on another device. Hmm. And we'll bounce between our two views. Oh, that's great. If anyone was curious on how and now we drink gets made on a remote show. That's awesome. <laughs> First and foremost, I will start off with thank you for having me on your show, guys. That was great. Actually, you know, you. we're happy to have you on. Yeah, for sure. Please, everyone who's listening, go check out the Kinky Cocktail Hour, where you get to hear me get real political, which I don't often do on here. <laughs> yeah, I know. We have a pretty extensive library. We've been doing it for about uh, three years. And we're and, crazy because we pod almost every day. Yeah. So we have like almost 600 episodes of great conversations with kinksters, with each other, with sex workers, with political figures, with, you know, public figures. It's been a really amazing journey. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Like, I don't understand how you guys have the bandwidth to do this almost every day. Like, <laughs> I've been doing this. Six years, and like I'll often record multiple times over the course of a week, but I'm only releasing like keeping up with the post end of it. Yeah, yeah. Put it out like more than once a week. It's just like no, 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 no. I need to have a life. I need to like not just be. Though I do edit for other people, I need to like step away from my computer occasionally. Yes, please. Yeah, Yeah. I drive a desk. That's what happens. Sadly, I mostly do too, but I need to step away from it every once in a while. Like, I need to go get drunk with people in real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just drink together. <laughs> See, that, that's life goals. That's life yeah. goals right there. Eventually, eventually, I will find someone who will put up with my bullshit long enough to want to like live and drink with me. For person. sure. <laughs> it, there's, there is somebody for you. Yeah. For sure. That's, that's definitely something that's worth it. pursuing. There have definitely been multiple somebodies for me, and I'm a crazy person who's probably pushed them away. But, eh. Hey. That happens. It does. Multiple times oh. throughout my life. It's documented. Yeah. <laughs> documented. <laughs> Going through my uh, my time hop is like, oh, yeah, that was a messy breakup. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was all my fault. <laughs> oh, shit. Do you, notice how, do you notice how, like, in all your messy breakups, in all your messy breakups, there's one common denominator. Like, like you, for anyone, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's one of those things where they like, say, like, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But oh, it's gosh. technically not the same thing over and over again because it's different people. It's different variables. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you can, you can technically. Def- you can definitely not insane. Yeah. <laughs> Some people may disagree with you about me being insane or not, but... Uh, Please don't pull my exes. Please don't. (laughs) How long have you two been together, by the way? Wow. Yeah, we'll get we're 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 coming up on four years. Yeah. We both come out of long, unfulfilling marriages, and we decided that we needed to create something new and different. So we did what we call create a relationship. We just created out of nothing. We're we're like hardcore kingsters. Yeah. And we had to find each other. That was, that was the first step. But once we found each other, then we had to get with creating a relationship. So we spent probably about six months or so just talking about 
Before we met. Even before we met, yeah. yeah. Just talking about what it is we were interested in creating. Mm-hmm. And then we met. And then it still, still took several months before we actually got together and and actually took on a kink relationship, which the way we did that was she put herself forward to be claimed. Mm-hmm. I'm a dom, she's a sub to me. And I claimed her as my submissive. Mm-hmm. And then after about a month or so, two months, we moved in together. And then about a year later, I collared her. Mm-hmm. To collar her, it actually took her divorce getting complete. I wasn't willing and we weren't willing to take on a new commitment before an old commitment was resolved. We wanted to get complete. And so that was important for us, but we did. We got complete. She got complete and we took on being collared, which is a whole new experience. And now we're coming up on three years collared. That's wild that you guys collared and did a podcast about the same time. That is serious commitment right there. Yeah. Well, we were like scening and having a cocktail after a scene. Every day. And debriefing because a responsible kinkster debriefs after a scene. And we started having these really deep conversations and they were evolutionary for our own journey. And just for our own sake of memory, we thought we should record this. And then at some point within a couple of times of recording, we're like, I think other people might want to hear this. Like, this is our journey. Like we're the typical, like we were in the vanilla 30 year marriages and got out and now we're doing this and this is our journey. And it just evolved from there. Yeah, our conversations were really in the world of relationship, you know, mm-hmm. because we had had failed relationships and we were experts at failed relationship. Experts. <laughs> so good at it. Yeah, we're I, feel, I feel most people are. Most yeah. people are. Yeah. And, and so we both realized that we needed to be responsible for creating something new. And so a lot of our conversations were about how do you create a relationship that works? How do you create a relationship where joy is present? How do you create a relationship where... There's connection, relatedness, intimacy. Like, how do you do that, right? So a lot of our conversations were around that. And because we are both lifelong coaches, you know, we sort of talked about it from a coaching perspective. And that led to us creating the relationship context that we have. And that led to us creating coaching context that led to us building the podcast. And so it all just kind of flows together. You know, what's what's happened is the podcast has become a tool for us to demystify kink and sexuality. Right, for sure. Because what we've spent the last four years doing is demystifying kink and sexuality for ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? And we're into like all kinds of interesting aspects of kink that really we were not present to before we started. Right. This journey that we're on has brought us to experience, you know, what other people call sacred sexuality, which is quite remarkable. Yeah, it's really evolved to a point where as a sexual creature, I, and I could have never predicted I would be in touch with myself in such a way. For example, when we first met, I knew that my um, basis was service. I, I enjoy that part. I, I always have. It's not that I try to get kudos for it. It really, I've done it since I was like three in my grandmother's kitchen, like cleaning things up and stuff. So it was like in my nature. And so I wanted someone who appreciated that and, and valued that as well as was sex forward. And so initially 
I thought, well, I'll be a sub. And I went to FetLife, of course, and started searching because I didn't know anything about. I was doing lots of kinky things. Unlike, he'll tell you his perspective of his marriage. But my marriage, I was having sex every single day for 30 years. I mean, like multiple times a day I was being used. But I was disengaged, disassociated. It was abusive. It was not something I chose. So on now, when I come to this part, I'm choosing a partner and I'm engaged. And so then I was like, well, I, I think I'm a sub. Well, then as you start to search for your partner online, um, you realize there's a, I'm competitive. I'm going to win the sub game. Okay. And so, well, shit, subs aren't good enough. I need to be a slave. I have to win at this, right? So I remember coming to him after we read profiles and we were taken with one another that I, I think I'm a slave. Well, he made some interesting comments during that time about you know, pretty dramatic comments about slave type things. And one was like, well, then I could just cut off your fingers or something like that. And I was like, uh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> and, uh, and then I had even, even not as dramatic as that. I was thinking to myself, this master could make me a piece of furniture for the rest of my life. Like he could choose that I'm a footstool. And that I need to be the best footstool ever, but that is the rest of my life. Or I may never sleep in a bed again. I may be on a blanket on the floor and that's where I am or in a cage or something like that. And, and although for intermittent periods, those things are attractive at times, depending on the context, I had to really think about that. And then I knew there was something resonating me that was stirring like, no. And so I was fighting that. So I remember being really up in arms, like, well, I should be a slave because I'm winning this game of slave and sub and I'm the best, you know, come to find out that I was looking for a chosen one who I could gift everything of my submission to, but to everyone else, I'm a dominant. I, so I'm a switch. I'm definitely not a slave. I have agency. I like to have agency. And I love to show my love in a way to my chosen one, but then that's it. Everyone else is a submissive or someone that wants my dominance. And so that's how I play it now. Yeah. And that was a new discovery that came out of the podcast, actually. It came out of the conversations yeah. that we were having. She discovered herself as a demi-sapiosexual, mm. which, you know, was like a new combination of words to her. Like she hadn't heard those before. Yeah. Right. I always thought it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> Can you define that for the audience? Because they may be like, what What, are the, what does that mean? Well, so like if you're walking down the street, I, I always felt odd. Girlfriends and I would walk and we'd see, and, and we're teenagers, so we'd see a young boy. And I could, I could tell that the, the boy that we're all Googling at is attractive in some way, whatever that is, whatever his attributes are. I can see attractiveness. But that didn't stir me inside any, at any level, like at any level. And then if he opened his mouth, God help him, because usually when they open their mouths, they're dumber than shit. And so then I'm like, no, because I'm also a sapiosexual. So I have for sapiosexual, I, I love intelligence. I love witty conversation. I'm attracted by that. Someone who can keep up with the conversation and then demi-sapiosexuals, I have to have an emotional connection to someone to feel the sexuality desire. And so that takes time. So I'm not the one that's in a bar and I look across the room and I see, oh, 
It's not that I don't notice that the person's attractive or even hear a conversation and say they sound attractive. It's that it takes so much more to get my attention. And I always thought I was weird because I thought, what's wrong with me? Why am I not having the hots over these guys? Like these girls are drooling. Why am I not? And now I understand that I'm a very small segment of the population, but then my love is really intense. So then it's really good. I'm going to say it's more like fire hose love. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why you guys needed like 15 minutes before we got between podcasts? That's right. (laughs) Yes. Well, and that's awesome. And then like, that's awesome that you understand and know that like more people need to like more understand themselves. And like, I feel like a lot of people conform to social norms because their peer group is doing whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. More people need to like understand and like, oh no, this is what I'm into. This like I'm not going to just do things because of peer pressure, societal norms, whatever. Like people need to pursue their own fucking happiness and be honest about it. Be right. authentic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, we we literally did a bunch of work on this, right? Like we worked on ourselves. Like we did a deep inquiry into our own motivations. Mm-hmm to discover what it was we were looking for in our sexuality and in relationship. And it takes that level of work to to develop the level of intimacy and connection that we experience because what we experience is out of this world. It's really remarkable. I can't begin to describe how we connect energetically in a way that satisfies what we're experiencing because the words don't actually exist. It's happening in a in a in a manner and in a in a an experience that is energy based. It's, yeah, it's not it's not like the human experience that I'm used to, right? We're having almost a non-human experience in connecting. Like we actually experience each other as one creature in it's our avatarish. Like it, yeah, it's very it's, it is. It it really is. It feels like that with the colors and the connection. Where I don't know where I end and he begins. And that when we're in that deep space and and really kink is an access point for us because I get to go super subspace and he gets to go big dom space and we mirror, we're like mirror neurons. We mirror each other on both ends of the spectrum and pull each other deeper to a point where, you know, I'm speaking in tongues and, you know, I'm not. I think I could do my safe words, but what I trust is as the dominant, he told me way early on, he doesn't break his toys. And so I trust that a hundred percent. So I let myself dive deep and then, you know, see where it takes us. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. That's fucking amazing. Like the level of trust that you two have to have, which is like the, the bedrock of any fucking real relationship is trust. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, for sure. Like we like to say that our kink is really communication. It has to be. Right. Like we actually communicate very deeply and very consistently outcome. I don't know how else to describe it. The outcome of that level of communication is that we're able to actually be present, not just in our sex, which is important, but in everything. Like it, it carries over into like appreciating, you, you hear people say you should stop and smell the roses. We actually do that. We actually stop and smell the roses, right? I mean, it's it's the, it's being present in, a, in the way we prepare and eat food or the way we prepare and drink cocktails, cocktails. or the way we <laughs> like set up to have, that, you know, kinky sex. It's like, 
being present requires that you can actually let go of everything else, literally everything else, so that you can actually be with each other in a way that. <laughs> Finish the bottle. <laughs> yeah. You know, in a way, in a way that actually leads to changes in perception. You know, we like to say that new actions lead to unexpected outcomes. Mm. And we've taken a bunch of new actions in our sexuality that have led to outcomes that are completely unpredictable and very interesting and, mm. and super cool. Like super cool. Like I'm having I'm having energetic orgasms throughout our sexual scene, which might last you know, before couple, regular physical orgasms. Yeah, but which might last like a couple hours, right? Like I might have total body like expressions of energetic orgasm and 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 repeatedly, like and that might happen over and over again, over a two hour period before we f- I finally have an ejaculation that comes from my fucking toes. <laughs> well, shit, I am doing everything in life wrong. Apparently, <laughs> Fuck. I don't, I don't think I could ever describe an orgasm like that in my whole fucking God damn. Well, I'm we, doing- we couldn't either though yeah. in our past, we couldn't either. That's the thing is that this has been a discovery of complete, Trust and immersion in the vulnerability. Like during our process, we were potting and we were talking about vulnerability because we really, we were, we were vulnerable, right? Look at what we're up to. We're so vulnerable. And then there was like some couple weeks later or something and where I sitting on the couch in the living room and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I just had an epiphany. I recognize I have not been vulnerable. Like I thought I was, I said I was. And in this moment, I recognize, I got clarity on, I wasn't vulnerable. And we had a conversation about that. About being vulnerable. Yes, yes. And that new action, that new conversation led to changes that were, that have led us to where we are now. That is where you can just let go in the moment, completely let go. And your partner is there. You know, Matt, um, People describe this conversation as a conversation about sacred sexuality, right? But people have different access points to it. So like people who engage in tantric sex, that's an access point. People who engage in yoga, that's an access point. People who engage in meditation, that's an access point. Like Buddhist meditation, they're trying to achieve a nirvana, like like a connection to a larger universe, right? And kink is an access point. Kink is an access point because... One of the things that happens in kink is you can't do it if you're not present. You just can't. You actually you can, have to. You be can present. do it if you're role playing, and in the moment role playing through it. But I think the difference for us, because you've role played before, I have, yeah. Before we met, um, we are immersed. It's twenty four seven. It doesn't turn off. Like people ask us, "Don't you get tired? Don't you need a break? Don't you need a break from your kink?" And I think, wow, no. It's 24-7. It's it's our life. This is how we live our life. It's like, do you need a break from breathing? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. 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 And yeah. so because we're in it, it doesn't stop. And then we have morphed into this access that is. We've run out of words. We've literally run out of words. It's come down to colors now. Right. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. That is something that like people should aspire to. Fuck. I would if I if I heard someone talking like this, I would. So we thought about it, right? We thought about how do we give people access to this? And so we set about creating, because we're both, you know, coaches, lifelong coaches, we set about creating a coaching pathway to get access to this. 
And we developed a, a coaching system called task a day. We give you a task every day, but it's not like a physical task necessarily. It might be like a writing task or it might be a reading task or it might be a doing task, but we give you a task every day. And then we ask you a bunch of questions about that task to give you access to your own clarity, to your own clarity, right? Because like we aren't there to tell you what we see and then, oh, we've decided you're this. That's not it. It really comes from your self-discovery of yourself. Yeah. And then once you discover yourself, we're helping a couple of people right now online. Um, then it's about framing themselves in a way to find their ideal partner. Not, not a partner that you think, well, if I act a certain way, they'll stay around. And, if, and as long as I don't act my normal way, they'll stay around. No, no. As you are presently now being you, which is 100% perfect, you, there's a partner for you in that situation. Yeah, well, And that's one of those things where like a lot of things fall apart at like the 90-day mark because people can't be inauthentic. Right. Well, right. people are days. pretending in that early phase. It's like, ah, I'm not my best self. My underwear's never on the floor and I'm always made up and whatever, right? Well, but and this is why reality. Like, in my later, you know, my current adult life, like I'm on dating sites and I'm, 100% on front street about all of it. Like, Oh, here are clips from the podcast. Here's me hanging out with porn stars. Like I am not going to change for you, stranger. Sure. Right. If you're not into this, see yourself out. But right. there is someone into that. That's the thing. Literally when I was searching, I just, I had already been engaged with an online dominant when I was just trying to figure out, am, you know, who am I? Like, this is how weird it is, how my internal language just drove me in a certain direction. I didn't I didn't go to Tinder. I didn't go to any of the dating sites at any level. Where did I go? To kinky live chat rooms. And I, I went to free ones because I wasn't going to pay for the shit. <laughs> looking for other people that were in that mode to talk to. Now, who knows why I did that, but I did it and ended up being in an online dynamic for like a year and a half ish. And then it got to a point where I was like, okay, this has all been fun, but I need real, which was huge clarity for me. Cause I was like, aha, uh -huh, I need real. So then when I went hunting for him and it was a, I'm very anal. So I, I went, started at a and looked in the area we are in. Cause we live in Seattle and, you know, if they had a dick pic, automatic no. And, you know, yeah. and it's not that I don't like pictures of dicks. It's not it at all. But that is not a way to start a conversation or to start an interaction. Plus, there's no consent. When you have a dick pic as your profile, you didn't ask my consent to see that. I wholeheartedly agree. Hell, it's full on a crime in some places now. Right. Thank exactly. God. Correct. So those, they already lost the boat. And so then I'd go through and then I'd find people. I was looking for dominance, obviously. And I'd read and if they put nothing into their profile, I was like, loser. Think about it. Women use twice as many words as men. Five times as many words. Okay, five times <laughs> as many. And so words are important. So if a guy's looking to attract a female, you got to put words in. You got to put the time in. And so I would sort. And I went all the way up to F, I think. Which is hundreds of people, hundreds of people. Probably thousands, really. And I literally was like, oh, this is so, it was after a day, like five or six straight for like hours and hours on end. I was like, this is ridiculous. 
I'll start at Z. I went backwards and Z's weird. Forget it. <laughs> People with Z profile names are weird in X any way. X is weird. Oh, well, X I, I, X, I can only imagine is like the dredge of fucking... Yeah, because everyone's like the people that pick those. It, come on, they think it's a, a choice. But anyway, <laughs> I skipped ahead, got to U T, finally got to S. Luckily, he was S A because I was literally like, "This is bullshit." I'm really running out of tolerance for this. I'll just be single forever. And I read his about. Now you have to get like the the, the about that I had posted on FetLife was after a prolonged inquiry into what I was looking for. So very specific. So it was it was very specific. It was very detailed. Like it talked a lot about not just who I am but who I'm seeking and not not just who you are, but what you're seeking and who we are and how we could be together. And who we are together. And and it and it spoke about the things that are of importance to me, you know, my inquiry about kink and food and drink and travel travel and exploration and you know sexuality and the fact that I'm a dominant and the fact that I'm seeking a submissive to color and masochist and not just a submissive but a masochist right which I didn't know I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so the, but the point is it, it it was written in a way that when she read it it occurred to her as it, as if it was written to her that, that's the thing I read it and it stopped me in my tracks I was like what? Yeah. And then I read it like five, six, seven more times. And it still gave me the same reaction. I was like, oh my God, I got to meet this. Well, I didn't, I had only read the about, I had, didn't know anything. So then I started to go through his perviness pictures and his videos and realized, oh, he's engaged with a sub. Oh, fuck. But then I thought no loss because this was so impactful. I'm going to reach out to him because maybe he can direct me to someone of his kind, his ilk, because that spoke to me and that started the first conversation. Yeah. And so it's po- amazing. Yeah. So the, the point is that she was seeking based on an inquiry that she had done about what she needed and wanted in life. She'd done a bunch of work around that. Right. And I had created a seeking post based on really understanding what I needed and wanted out of like a partner in my life. And so we had both done a bunch of work in relationship to seeking for the relationship we were after. And when we discovered that connection, it was really instantaneous. Like it really didn't take more than just a conversation to realize like we needed to take this further. Right. And when we met in person, she said like, yeah, I just made that. I mean, I made the decision right there on the spot. Like right when he walked to the room, I was like, before he spoke, I was like, Oh my God, because a true dominant exudes dominance without having to be pretending to be dominant. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to pretend you don't have to put on airs. They just are. And I was like, Oh my God, that's what I've been searching for my whole life. I didn't know oh, that took the, it took the air out of the room. And I was like, Oh my God. And, and for me to not have experienced attraction in that way, my whole life, feeling like I'm weird yet, you know, we've talked about for months and months we've been talking. So I, as a demisexual, I've built that part. And then all of a sudden he walks in. I'm like, yes, I'm in, I'm in. I'm like, here I am. I'm in. And it was just amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And what's been really amazing beyond that is just as we've spent time together, we're so aligned in so many ways. 
that they, we don't have a lot of work to do to get aligned. Like we're just aligned, right? And so we've been able to really put our attention on building relationship. And even though we did a bunch of work to get there, once we connected, it still took doing a bunch of work yeah. to, to actually build that, what we call created relationship. We actually had to, you know, make a whole lot of agreements with each other about how we were going to proceed because we're in a 24-7 total power exchange. That means we're always, it's always in our on. dynamic, always. Hell yeah. Um, I have so many questions. Okay, good. First, of, first and foremost, how long did it take you two to hook up the first time? So we were talking because... So from May until well, June. September. No, well, well, June, we met. I, I mean, I'm talking like <laughs> after that initial, like, walked in the room, June. knew this was the one. June. Yeah, it was from early May to the middle of June, so six weeks. No, oh, it was yeah. March. March. I'm sorry, March. 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 Early March to the March beginning of June. To June. March, April, May, June. Because uh, yeah. this is what did it. He met me on his birthday, which I was like, who does that? Why would you meet me? On, you've got plans. Why would you meet? <laughs> he met me on his birthday. So for one, that was like big points. I was like, what? Your priority. That's I right. felt like it. Yeah. And then, and then it took us until September because because he was traveling to Europe. And so we were kind of apart with different traveling things um, before we actually got together. Yeah. And even after my our traveling was complete, it took we still had dinner a couple of times. We had like we went we went to sit on the beach and drink a couple of times. We basically got to just spend time together in each other's and just get to see like. You know, kind of hang with this person. Well, and your big thing was before we start this, I have to I, I have to claim you. And so you have to put you have to choose to put yourself forward to be claimed as a submissive. And we talked about what that meant, like what he planned to do in our claiming ceremony and what that meant to me. And I had to really consider all of that because you have to understand he although he had tested me as a masochist and, and knew I was a masochist before I even knew. He was talking about things that I was like, look, I've never done that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not opposed to it, but I've never done it. So I have no idea how I'm going to react. You know, you know what I mean? Caning, for example, I, I'd never been caned. I had no idea what that meant. Really? I mean, you know, because you can watch any video you want, but to be in it yourself and then to be receiving that, uh, I was like, I'm not sure, but I couldn't resist, so I put myself forward. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have never. I don't think shit. I have been involved with you know, in the the grand scheme of things. Like as we talked about on your show, I'm not much of a kinkster myself, but I've been adjacent to kinksters, and sure. I don't think I've ever heard the word claiming ceremony before. What the hell goes into that? Oh, well, you got to tell. Okay, tell. so <laughs> you know my view. Before we became sexually related, and because she was new to kink, even though she had done a bunch of kinky things through her life, she'd never been in a kink dynamic, yeah. right? And she was coming out of a vanilla marriage, and she wanted to be a submissive. And from my view, as a dominant, that that only way that can occur is if you put yourself forward to be my submissive, which... I consider claiming. I'm just going to claim her as my submissive. So in the in the kink parlance, that would mean she's under my protection. She's my play partner. She belongs to me. She doesn't get to 
do like you don't get as another kingster to take her on without my permission, right? So I'm going to claim her as my possession property for for the for the purpose of this dynamic. And you know, she had to give consideration to that. So we believe that people make decisions which is based on um their inner story about what they decide they want to do versus choices, which is after consideration. So there were a few things we wanted to get out of the way. She needed to separate from her marriage. She needed to like really understand at a really deep level what it meant to be a submissive of a dominant masochist. She needed to understand that. And then she had to use her own free will to put herself forward into that dynamic. It couldn't occur because I persuaded her. Well, and, and with what you just said laid out there, I, because this wouldn't have happened unless I did it, I immediately told my ex that this is it, we're done. Now, granted, it wasn't his talking to me. I had known for years, 10 years before, and then it became really heightened in the last two years of my marriage that it was so abusive. I was literally just hanging on basically for my adult children to graduate. Um, I needed them to get to adulthood. I felt obligated to raise my children till they got to be adults themselves. But then I was like, I have to save myself at this point. So that was a huge deal because it, it was not, it was an abusive marriage. So to tell someone in that situation meant that I was living in an abusive situation, even more heightened than before to make that choice. So I had to be clear on what I was doing you can tell I was clear because I did it right, um, and then and couldn't he, have been easy. I... No, it was. I had to do it twice because he didn't get it the first time. Um, so, because a domineering person, a narcissist, doesn't understand, can't understand that you would ever leave them. And so, when I told him it was over, he didn't believe it. So it took two times, but then he tested me as a masochist, which I think. At the time, I didn't know what was going on. I was just being obedient. But he, but tell, explain your little yeah, story. Yeah, so you know, so she was concerned about submitting to me because I'm a because he's a sadist. I'm a sadist, right? <laughs> she was concerned about that. She didn't have context for what that implied. Well, you, so, you mentioned earlier you talked about potentially chopping off fingers. I, yeah, yeah, but, I know. That's something that you may have a little concern about. I need those. Like need that them. actually came later. But, <laughs> but yes. But, yes. But, but yes, but the point is this. The point is this, that as a as a dominant sadist, in order for me to engage with her sexually, for me to be satisfied in my kink, I required that the submissive that I took on as a dominant was also a masochist, right? So she didn't know, like, am I a masochist or not? She, she was concerned about that. I said, well, how about we do a little test? Have an idea. So what I did was I had her... Um, do a task for me where she was, I was actually testing her obedience, her discipline, and her tendency to be a masochist. Those three things were all built into the task. So what I had her do was buy a piece of ginger and scrape it up, peel it and scrape it it up. So it was 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 really juicy and then stick it in her ass and masturbate. So she For 30 minutes. Yeah, so she had to masturbate three times and then she had to meditate with it for the balance of the 30 minutes. And, yes. And come to orgasm with it. Yeah. So she had to literally have three orgasms with 
ginger in her ass. Which so, is called figging. Yeah. And if anyone's done figging, it is probably the most intense thing someone can do. It's yeah. like, it's putting like red hot chili oil in your asshole, basically. I mean, it, it never stops burning. Wait a minute. It's, it's still burning right now? Jeez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> While it's in. While it's in. While it's in. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea how I would. And I didn't even know ginger, ginger would do that. So I was like naive on all fronts. I was like, Oh, this sounds easy. Just do this. You know? And then I was like, fuck, what's going on here? You know? <laughs> and then following through with the directions and videoing it and then sending that to him. Oh, yeah. you had to self film this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> check, 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 present. Okay. So imagine this, I had to self film this in a discreet way while my family is around everywhere. So I'm hiding in the motorhome on all fours doing this while people are, where's mom and got to go find mom. You can hear him yelling outside. Like, is she in the garden or is she aware? You know? And I'm like, fuck, I'm trying and I'm naked, you know? So I'm, it, it was a commitment to a self-discovery for myself. Yes, he gave me direction, but I really feel at the moment I was committed to like, who am I? I've been in this trapped marriage this whole time. And this is the first time I'm actually experimenting with myself. Like, who am I? What you're describing there has to be such an adrenaline rush, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With just everyone around you like, oh, I could get discovered. And then I have to explain this to my fucking children. Yeah. And my, you know. Narcissistic husband. Yeah, nar- nar- yeah, narcissistic husband who, in his mind, is still my partner. Right. Well, and 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 why? And someone might say, "Well, then you're a terrible parent." But there's a point in I met my ex when I was 20. He was my first, and that's all I had. So well, the abuse, the abuse was all I had the whole 30 years. I had pretty much felt I had paid my dues. My kids were nearly grown. I was like, it's my time now. Fuck whoever says, like, you're a terrible person. Like, no, you're a person. You have wants and needs. I'm a like, human. Yeah. I'm a human being. Yeah. yeah. So she, like, sent me, she sends me this video, and I was, I was walking the dog down at the park, and I get the video, and I stand in the shade so I can read it. And I watch the video, and I go, okay, I have to meet her. Because, <laughs> because she masturbated with ginger in her ass, and she came three times. And then... She kneeled with the ginger in her ass for 30 minutes and she had, an out, she had an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I absolutely have to meet this woman. I absolutely do. <laughs> so lead me through this. How, how'd you light it? Like, I, I want to see the scene. Like I, I want the whole visual of the, of the scene. Like, how'd you light this? Like, what was the camera angles on it? No, she literally put it I on literally, like this, We're talking an iPhone where I just <laughs> propped it up on a shoe and was right in front. Cause I'm trying to be discreet. I'm trying to be in a certain part of the motorhome where it's, no one can see me from windows. If they open the door, I could quickly dart, I guess. Um, and so it was, I thought I had a lot of time when I first went in there. And then all of a sudden the house got full of people. And now my time is like measured. Now I have to get dressed and leave that environment and have people ask, why are you in there? Oh, I was cleaning or whatever I was doing, you know, and it, it, I remember walking around that whole evening in a daze, like, like just what I had experienced as a sexual creature that was beyond anything I'd ever experienced of myself, you know? Yeah. 
So that led to our first meeting. Right? Yeah, and that was that was. And then, yeah, and then after that effort, you have to like you're uh, yeah. o- obligated to meet her at that point. Like, I was no, I, it was it was really clear to it was me a must. that right. I mean, look, she's she was sexually very attractive to me, but then beyond that, she's now a submissive masochist. She's putting herself forward as a submissive masochist. So now we begin a conversation about claiming, right? So now she has context as a submissive masochist, what she's getting herself into. I have context about who she is as a sexual creature. And so now we set about setting up the construct for claiming. And the claiming was really just about her showing up, putting herself forward. Okay, specifics. Come in the house, undress at the door, kneel in a Nadu pose. Nadu is a um, Gorian pose. And basically you're on your hands, you're on your knees with your knees apart, your palms are face up, you're sitting erect, you're looking straight ahead. That's the Nadu pose, right? So she's kneeling in that position. And stay there until you find me. Yeah, and I had gone out for a walk with the dog. So when I came back, that's what I walk into, right? Which is hot. Which is hot. (laughs) And then I sat there just looking at her, like just being with her, right? Just being with her and just watching... Is she comfortable? Is she getting fidgety? Like, like how is this occurring for her? Like, how is sitting in front of a dominant man who's clothed while she's kneeling naked? Like, how does this occur to her? And just being present to that. And then then we took her on a journey of sexuality. She got to be Cain. She got to experience being... um, Used all holes. Used used all holes, yeah. Being pissed in her ass, drinking urine down her throat. She was like... She really had to get, she really had to be like, she had to get the experience of being like a three hole slut in the moment. And used. And used, right? Like actually used. This is all the first night? First. This is all one ceremony. This is all one ceremony. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and then she had her first experience of subspace and she got to experience what that was like. And then she got her first experience of being debriefed. Right. Yeah, so aftercare so and then debriefing. Aftercare and debriefing. And so we get to explore like how did that occur for you? Do you get what you've committed yourself to? Like you now belong to me. Like this is now I expect you to show up every week. This is how this goes. And it and if you think about it, it's all based on agreements, which typical vanilla relationships do a lot of things. Instead of agreements, they do assumptions. And then people get torqued because the assumptions that one person has and the other person has are not the same. So then they get torqued on one another because, well, I thought you knew I wanted you to show up at this time or whatever. You know, you know, the yeah, there's, of- there's a lot of things that people are just, for whatever reason, have social hangups on talking about. Sure. Right. But with kink, it's based on consent. It's based on agreements. So whether you're a hardcore kinkster or a very light kinkster, I think the the construct of kink itself helps relationship because you come up with agreements that work for both parties. It's a win-win all the time. And it's necessary. It should be the societal norm, even for vanilla relationships. But unfortunately, so many people are just ashamed to talk about whatever, like, oh, just afraid to talk about their own wants and needs. Well, most kink, most, most of sexuality is wrapped up in religious dogma. So there's a lot of morality built into sexuality. And like we just set morality aside. Like yeah, we just talk about what's so and what we operate inside of is an ethical structure. Like it's all about ethics as opposed to morality, right? And are we of our word? If we say this is what we're agreeing to, that's what we're agreeing to, not something else. 
Well, and the thing about it is morality changes with society. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah. There's a lot of things that are ethically fucking wrong that were morally yeah. right at one point in human exactly. history. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So then I'm claimed, and then we go on this podcast journey after the new year hits, because we got claimed like in 18. 18 something. So we spent and a year, we spent a year claimed. And then we and get, then she got divorced and then we got collared. And then collared we got her. collared. Yeah. Right. That was so, awesome. So collaring is like a big deal, right? A collar in the kink world is akin to a, like a relationship that's codified by marriage, right? It's like a commitment, but it's a kink commitment. It's not a marriage commitment. It's not codified by paper. It's codified by steel, right? And so she wears my collar. So I have a day collar on now and I have an ankle collar on that's all the time on. Um, and then we have what we use is our hard collar. I work a job. I'm a real person. So I have a job. So I don't wear my hard collar because it would scare the natives. It's it's a real steel collar with a ring on it. It's a heavy steel it's collar. It's too much for everyday work. So we have a day collar that I know I'm always attached to him all the time. And that stays on all the time. And then we put on the the regular collar or our regular collar when I come home for the weekend and that kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so collared, we lived together from, I would say, December until about March when we started putting. And then that COVID happened right after that. And so that was actually cool for us because it was really cool <laughs> because she got to work, she got to work from home. It was so great. <laughs> and, and we got to literally spend 24 hours a day together for the first time. Seeing every day. And we, yeah, we seen every day we podcasted every day and we literally engaged in this deep inquiry into human sexuality yeah. through COVID, which was fucking amazing actually, you know, and um, after that, we just kept potting and then she had to go back to work. So we reduced the frequency to every other day. But um, and we did anal April. Yeah. They, so then we did anal April, which anal April was kind of a sweet ex- example of a um, power exchange dynamic. Right. So I said to her, guess what? We're going to do anal April. And she was like, OK, because she's my submissive. Right. <laughs> so then we had to discover the rules. Like, what are the rules about anal April? So. We went for a walk and we had a conversation about the rules. And we said, in, during anal April, you don't get to touch your pussy and I don't get to touch your pussy sexually. You can wash yourself and clean yourself. But that's it. And because, you know, she's obedient, I didn't have to put her in chastity. Right. Yeah, she, I don't. I, I'm obedient. I don't. I don't play it. the game of like breaking the rules. I'm very much a game player. So you're not you're not a brat. You're I'm, a brat. I'm not a brat not at a, all. Not like, at all. Not at any level. So yeah. for me, it's like great. I get a test to tr- test myself, which enhanced the whole experience of annual April. Truly, I think sometimes, and no disrespect to all brats, but by being obedient, you really get to stretch yourself in ways where you don't allow for the mistakes to happen yeah and you don't know what's on the other side of that test that you're doing but i do now because i got through it so here's a way to think about it right so like if you boil water you get steam right but if you almost boil water and it's just hot and you're not making steam you can make tea the difference between tea and steam is with steam you can literally move a train right but with tea you can just drink tea and that's it (laughs) 
right? Possibly, you know, conquer Hong Kong. But oh, wait. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the point is that when you do something at, with a hundred percent participation or commitment, it actually produces a change of state, right? Yeah. So, so her completely obedient participation in anal April meant that we only had anal sex every day for a month. And the impact of that was we discovered new aspects of ourselves as sexual creatures by exploring anal in sex. In unexpected ways, too. Yeah. Because we thought, oh, it'll just, well, we made assumptions, I think. Of course. We thought it'll just make us way more want anal sex only. Or, And what it was is we actually both missed the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. And in a way that we didn't know we did and that that codified how we seem even yeah. in the way we give respect to equal parts of things we enjoy. And she got to experience anal orgasms. That Yeah, she, so I did get that. That was really cool. She had been having them. She didn't recognize them as anal orgasms. So now she got to recognize them. Yeah, now I, yeah, now I yeah. codified and them. So after anal April, we said, okay, so that was really interesting. So now let's explore hypnokink, right? So, so, so now... I'm hypnotizing her to get her into a trance state sooner. So I drop because, into subspace faster. Because normally with, with kink, there's a process where you drop into subspace. And when she's in subspace, she's in a trance state. That's basically what subspace is. And she experiences sexuality differently in that state than when she's not in a trance state, right? Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do was get her into that trance state sooner. And so... I created a script where I got her into a hypnotic state so she could experience what I call a mouthgasm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when my cock goes down her throat, she has an orgasm. So this is when he proposed to me. And I said, okay, I'm game. But I was like, I don't know if you can have a mouthgasm. I don't think that's possible. But, but it took us about a year, right? About, about a year. Yeah, six of, months to a year. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's happening now. Well, so it's amazing. In so many things, mind over matter. Like, if you believe <laughs> yeah, it could happen. To be committed to the task and really all in um, without your story or anything getting in the way. But we've created a situation where, like, we have this recipe for scenes right now that is just like, why change it? It's like fucking working. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So she starts a scene now with, a, with an orgasm with a cup down her throat. That's how she starts a scene. And then we stay in that trance state for however long the, the scene progresses. Yeah. And the, like I was going back to what we talked about earlier, that's taken us into a new experience of energetic sexuality. It's quite remarkable. That fucking sounds amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like people fucking half your age would be killing to have your guys' sex life. We agree. I agree. I would have loved to have this earlier. <laughs> we, we, we sort of half expect the world to come knocking on our door because we, we have the we have the solution. And the thing is, is it, it does take work and persistence, but the idea is, you know, I could go with another partner, let's say right now, and I'm not going to have this energetic experience. It's just not going to be there because the level of trust and vulnerability and the way we get deep into that isn't there with a new partner, let's say. We've done the work. So then we're like, oh, God, uh, how could we do anything different right now? Because this is like nirvana. Like we can't we don't want to mess with it's not broken. You know, <laughs> I mean, at this point, what we're looking for are new ways to extend the experience rather than ways to change it. 
Yeah. Right. And, you know, for me, it's like, I'm a dude. I, I basically had the experience of like having sex till I ejaculated. That was my experience as a dude, right? Like, oh, I ejaculated. I, that, that success, was great. right? Like, right. <laughs> I ejaculated. I rolled over. I went to sleep. Yeah, success. <laughs> right. And so, so now my experience of a sexual um, experience is so much more evolved, right? So now I have like this energetic orgasmic experience that is every bit an, 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 an orgasm, but without an ejaculation that precedes, and it comes in waves and it precedes over time, the, the physical ejaculation. So that like I'm experiencing, you know, you know how you talk about women experiencing multiple, multiple orgasms. orgasms. Like I'm experiencing that as a man. It's quite remarkable. People amazing. want access to this. <laughs> I'm, I'm also thankful that I don't have that because I would get nothing done in the day. Exactly. If you give me the ability to have multiple orgasms very quickly, nothing <laughs> would ever get done. There would never be another episode of this podcast. I would just be fucking coming all day. You know, and, and here's the thing. Like, it, like, our world is so interesting right now because, you know, remember I said at the beginning or earlier, I said that, new actions lead to unexpected outcomes, right? So we started the podcast. And in that conversation, we ended up talking to a professional dominatrix in, in England. And she, she was talking about ball busting. She was doing like this whole conversation around kicking guys in the balls. And so I asked her, well, do you have any um, opportunity to give pleasure to your, to your clients? And she said, yeah, but not in the way you used to. So I use this thing called a slub. And what I do is I give them orgasms that are so intense that I don't let go. And I said, okay, say more about that. But what that led to was a discovery of a new German male masturbation toy called the Slub. And so I reached out to the manufacturer. I said, do you want to come on the pod? He goes, well, I don't speak English, but I don't have distribution in America. Would you guys like to distribute the Slub? So now we're distributing the first male masturbation sex toy called Slub. Which is... Amazing. Pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. Oh, I mean, no, no. Uh, most. We got, oh, go ahead. Sorry. The dominant that we were talking to, she said she could only get one one of her subs up to four. It goes up to what? Six. Six. Yeah. Um, but most people, even with erectile dysfunction, ejaculate off of one or two. Yeah. So, you know how I, uh, you're familiar with the Hitachi, right? Of course. So, the Hitachi vibrates at 6,000 RPMs. The slub vibrates up to 18,000 RPMs. On and a penis. On a penis. <laughs> and this, this will actually alter your experience of sexuality. Because I'm, like, I'm a dude, I've got a cock, and I've never had an experience like this, right? <laughs> this is mind-blowing. Before we got on, I actually watched, you know, because you guys had a slub promo video. Yeah. I, I went and watched it, I'm like, I'm not sure I want to stick my dick in that. Like, I think this could exactly. ruin me. This this may ruin my life. Like, you know, on one hand, it's like, that looks kind of fun. On the other hand, it's like, oh. Uh, it's intimidating at first, but it's not I lashed ruin my life. It's 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 actually supposed to be loose around. That's because loose, it's the yeah. vibration itself that creates it, it's, the erection. It's one of those things where, like, back in the day, they told me, like, don't fuck on ecstasy. It will ruin normal sex for you. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at that, they're like, uh, I'm not sure I want to use it because it just made like how can I go back? Well, you know, you know what it is. It's like it's like men don't have an experience of vibration the way women do. 
They just yeah. don't. Yeah. Women have had the rabbit and the Hitachi, Hitachi and the stick vibrator and the pencil vibrator. They've Motor had bunnies. like motor bunnies. They've had like all sorts of vibrational sexual experiences through the course of years. Men just haven't. Like the the best men have had is is a sort of a sleeve that they fit over themselves. Flashlight and yeah, the fucking flashlight. Like which I've never actually personally used a flashlight, but Jesus Christ, if the forms are to be believed, they're pretty good. Right, right, now, right. Now, compared to that, this is 10,000 times different. And it's cool because with they're developing no hands. So obviously you holding the tool or it being no hands or even better, the partner holding the tool and tormenting you with additional like, I've come up with ideas of like keeping it near the base where it hits the nerves that cause erection and then playing with the head of the cock. You know what I mean? And so you're getting someone who has control over what's happening to your body, but saying, no, you can't come yet. One of the things that was really cool about that conversation and I keyed on was this, this mistress, Diana Von Rigg, what she said was it even makes men who are flaccid come. And I was like, holy shit, really? Because the population's aging. Yeah, so check this out. So there are two sets of nerves that cause a penis to get erect and ejaculate. One set is oriented to erection. One set's oriented to ejaculation. If you have a prostate issue or you have erectile dysfunction where you can't get erect, you can't really stimulate the ejaculation nerves. But what this machine does, it's so fucking powerful that it actually can reach and stimulate those ejaculation nerves. So it can actually cause you, the ejaculation nerves live under the head of your penis, whereas the the erection nerves live near the base, base of your penis. So if you just go up and down your penis with this thing every once in a while, stopping near the, the head, you know, it takes, it takes minutes before you ejaculate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't last. You can't last. You won't last. <laughs> but, it, but it actually is remarkable. It's the first real male experience with vibration. I mean, possibly sign me up. Sign you up, exactly. <laughs> Slub-USA.com. Slub uh, I, I was led to believe there's an affiliate program I could sign up for. Right there now. is. <laughs> yes, you would be good for that. Yeah, you'd be a good affiliate. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. A way to make money and people make orgasms? Sign me up. I'm exactly. totally down. Seriously. So, so listen, we're all getting older. That's not going to change. Yeah, he has a statistic for you, right? Yeah. So erectile dysfunction is is age related. So, you know, even happens with men in their 20s and 30s, but by age 40, 40% of men have erectile dysfunction. At age 50, it's 50%. At age 60, 60%. At age 70, it's 70% of men. And the medical team does not consider it something deemed worth curing. Well, well, let's just be clear about that. There's There's a specific... Um, disorder in erectile dysfunction called ejaculation dysfunction. And the medical community has found that it's untreatable. So it's not that they don't think it's worth curing. They just have no idea how to set about it. Yeah. This might actually solve that problem. I don't know. As long as I can still get it up. Yeah. Pleasure a partner. I'm okay. The moment it, like my dick just doesn't want to get up anymore. Eh, I may swallow a bullet. I don't know. No, actually you, what you'll want is to have an ejaculation. Well, I mean, I would want to have an ejaculation. Yeah, and now you can. At, at the end of the day, like, at the point where it's just like, oh, you're gorgeous, I just can't get an erection for you. I, I'm not sure life's worth living at that point. Well, you know. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing, though. I don't mean to, like, be dark and trigger anyone. Sorry. One of the for, things that was amazing, because 
he gets it up. But the idea was when we played with it on him and I really focused on the bass, I was like in the middle of it going, oh my God, I've never seen your cock get the girth that it has right now. I've never seen that. And like, let's be honest, women, we like girth. We like girth. Okay. A long pointy pencil penis. It just stabs you in the uterus over and over again. It doesn't feel good. No, okay. for the most part, like I do know, I have a couple select friends who are like, no, I want my cervix bruised. I'm like, you're, yes, I, exactly. I'm not here to kick shame, but that, that's your thing. All right. Exactly. But that, I'd never seen it like that. Yeah, it's very And effective. I was like, oh my God, what the potential of this with your girth like that. And then someone messing with the head. I yeah. mean, this is amazing. Yeah. So that was like an example of how new actions lead to unexpected yeah. outcomes. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, have you gotten a bunch of reviews from other slub users who are like just fucking killing it? Yeah, we've had we've we we've definitely had reviews from um, individuals, but we you know we've had a couple published reviews. We had one by Mel Magazine, and I just heard from a, a podcaster named Dirk Hooper, who's a um, he's a, actually a fetish artist. And he just sent me a note saying that he reviewed the pot. He he used the. He slab. just used it. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! I'm going to give you a great review." So I'm excited <laughs> to look to look at that. But we're just because we're new to the United States and Canada, we're just starting to acquire those reviews. Yeah. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! I'm going to pause for one sec because the liquor is running through me. <laughs> and. In unusual fashion, I actually had to piss in the middle of a podcast, which really <laughs> fucking happens. normally I'm uh, I'm able to hold it down for the whole fucking show. But to be fair, we did another podcast before this, and I was drinking on that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I had to break the seal, folks. Hopefully, I don't have to do it again. <laughs> you have adult children at this point. Like, do they know about your lifestyle? Like, like both of us do. You both have yeah, they, they're aware of the, that we're kingsters. Yes. They are aware of that. They don't know the details. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know the details of their sex lives either. So, yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. Well, it seems fair. But is that something that, like, we as a society should more embrace, like, talking about? I think we should. I do. I think we should. I think we can learn a lot from each other, but we just tend not to be in that fashion. Yeah, I think, you know, there there's still a lot of morality and judgment and assessment that takes place in young adults. Like, when I was 25, 30... Like I fucking knew everything, you know, and, and, and it's not, it's not really like our kids can understand what we're up to because they're busy judging and assessing what we're up to not really investigating it. But as they grow older, you know, we've created a, um, a podcast that they're going to like stumble on and listen to and, and learn. And so we're not embarrassed about what we're up to. No. We actually believe what we're up to is way healthier than anything we've ever done. And the mm-hmm. fact that we're having like killer sex is something everyone should aspire to. One hundred percent, and it's one of those things where, like, honestly, I think we're at a point in society where we should, if you have adult children, have more frank and open conversations with them. Because I remember as a kid, or you know, as a young adult, my father being like, "Oh, watching porn's okay, but masturbating to it—that's not right." Yeah. Like, then why yeah. are we watching this? Yeah, why watch it? Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm here for bad acting and watching people fuck to yeah. not get off. Like, <laughs> no, no, no shade to anyone I know that acts in. No, no disrespect, but <laughs> I mean, really, that's what it is. Yeah, right. 
but that was his generation. And it's just like, as society. But that's morality. You know, right. I, had a, I had a conversation with one of my, I have three boys and a, and a daughter, and one of my sons, the most judgmental of them. I had a conversation with him about kink. And he said, so, so you just get off on beating women? Like, are you sick? And I said, no, 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 that's not how it is. And there's, there's a whole thing called consent. And we're all about consent. And there's nothing I do with any person that I am involved with. This was before I met uh, Lady Petra. There's nothing I do with any person I'm involved with that doesn't involve her absolute consent. Like none, like nothing. Like I do with her what she wants to have done to her, you know? So- And, and there's always safe words. If it's too much or they want to stop, then we stop. Yeah, so in kink, you know, there's safe words. Like, you know- the way the way kinksters communicate when they're in trouble is with what we call a safe word. And if Lady Petra were to say yellow or red, that would change what was happening. Absolutely. Because I have to honor her safe words because she has to trust me. But think about this. If you're just doing pickup sex and you've got maybe your female has got more of an aggressive pickup guy, there aren't safe words. There's no Right. And if no doesn't stop the person, then it becomes rape. Right. But I mean, that's the whole thing. There's so many parts of kink in the way you have pre conversations before you even engage in any sexuality that creates a clear picture for one another, allows for the trust and the vulnerability to take place because you're clear. Now, there's, there are people that break that. I get it. There's just bad actors everywhere. But, but that's part of the screening process. You have to, in, as an individual, figure out your own screening process. And obviously, you can tell what we did, even we relate to it now, is in the beginning when we were first talking, we were getting related. And it was according, if you will, to not that I was opposed to go jump in bed. I wanted to do that. But I also wanted something that was going to last. Like, I didn't want to jump in bed and then find out, well, these five things he has about him, I really hate. This is not going to go forward. I wanted it to make sure that this is something I want to invest my time in because my time is important to me. Yeah. So, you know, kink is a conversation about sexuality and it lives in the world of consent. And so she has to agree. Now, we live in a 24-7 total power exchange. Our consent happened up front. So what she told me were her, what we call her hard limits, right? So she said, these are things I'm just not willing to do. And I was like, fair enough. That works for me because I don't like those things either, right? If you don't mind me asking, what are the hard limits? So children, scat, Children, scat, blood, like excessive blood. I, did, I don't want to just be bloody. Um, guns, knives, knives, animals. knives. We've done some knife play but that was when we were discovering whether I was a slave. But but some people get really hardcore into knives. Oh yeah, no, um, I, I know some people that are really into edge play. Like yeah, right. But but animals, you know, children, like none of that, right? You know, um, kidnapping, like rapes. You know, kidnapping without my consent and rape scene. You know that kind of thing. But that that's the thing. We have to talk about that so that we can create. And then of course even though we made those agreements in the beginning, he's a reasonable human. We have continued conversations. So like we said, our, our kink is communication. Yeah. 
So we talk about it before. We talk about it after. He doesn't surprise me with, oh, here's a gangbang. This is going to happen tonight. Or You right. know what I'm saying? He's asking for consent. He's not asking for forgiveness after the fact. Right. Correct. And consent is important, even in a power exchange, because the whole point is you're it. I give my power. He's only dominant with my power if I give it to him. If I don't, then it's an assault. Right. You you trust him. So you give like if there was no trust, it wouldn't fucking work. And right. like if yeah. he did things to violate your trust, that trust would evaporate. Yes. Right. And the thing is, you have to be present in King because it's super intense. And you can't be present if you're thinking about, do I trust him? Yeah, you can't. You can't be doing that. Yeah. Can't be doing your laundry list in your head while you're. You've killed, you killed two bottles while we've been talking. <laughs> I, I have a reputation uphold. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair to the audio audience, both bottles were open before we started. It wasn't like oh, okay. I killed yeah. two sure. bottles. Two, like, unwrap. killed. Now. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to distract from the conversation. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, you know, we're getting into some of the nitty-gritty of how kink works, right? And basically it comes down to this. I need her to choose to put herself forward for my use on a day-to-day basis. And so on a day-to-day basis, I have to be responsible as her dominant to make sure that I give her what she needs and wants as a submissive. Now, there's a lot of conversation in the world of kink about topping from the bottom. That's not what we're doing here. That's mm-hmm. not what this is. She's giving me her power. I tell her, go get ready to get used. She goes to get ready to get used. And then I use her the way that I choose to use her. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. And inside of her hard limits, it, there's no limit, right? So it's a total power exchange inside of her hard limits. One other thing I think that was most transformative for us and me as a masochist was a couple things. When we were doing high volume of impact play, we're talking hundreds and hundreds. Well, of- well let's just back up. So I, I realized early on in our relationship that she was in a really great mood after impact scenes. Yeah. And over the course <laughs> of a few days, that mood dissipated and by the end of the week, she was back to like thinking about stories, her stories and like really needing to have another impact scene. Like it took like seven days and then she needed another impact scene. What He's, defines an impact scene? Like, because so, we may so have a very vanilla scene. audience out there that we need to define. Yeah, so, so for us, those impact scenes involve floggers, paddles, canes, right? She was getting basically marked like as, as, a, as her dominant, I want her marked as my property. So I would mark her with a cane. I would hit her with a cane hard enough to leave a deep bruise on her ass, right? That's marking. Tiger stripes. Tiger stripes, right? So what would happen is after that scene, say on a Saturday, by Thursday, she's like starting to like wonder about like what she's up to and what we're up to. And she's thinking about her But we've been seeing the whole time too. It's just that the impact itself hasn't been there at that high intensity. Yeah, so I so I'm I postulated that what she really needed was a daily maintenance spanking. She needed to be spanked every day as maintenance, not because she was naughty, not because she was bad, not because she was being punished, not because she was being disciplined, just maintenance spanking. Like she needed because you know what those impact scenes produce are 
a series of chemical changes in her, endorphins, mm-hmm. um, prostaglandins, and so on. All, all these things that lead to her feeling, feeling like, like, like heady and and um, you know, like she was a she was an elite athlete, so she would get a runner's high, right? And then as an adult, she didn't doesn't run that intensity, so she missed that. And what she discovered is that regular impact play gave her that same sense of a runner's high. Yeah. You get that same sort of endorphin experience. And so once we started to do that, then she discovered, because she was a distance runner, she discovered she needed not just some of it, but a lot of it. A lot. Yeah. So she would say to me, you know, we did 300 strokes that time, or we did 500 strokes that time, or how about we try a thousand strokes, right? <laughs> She's just chasing the dragon right there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and the thing is that, you know, that's become such a simple way to ground her, right? Yeah. She's now, she's now grounded with a uh, an impact scene and we've incorporated it into our regular play. Which works for a sadist. Which works for a sadist, <laughs> right? But we've ground, we've got it to where because our scenes are so intense, we normally seem like every other day now because it's super intense because it takes us like a, it takes me at least and her a whole day to recover. Yeah. Recovery is important. Like, yeah. Like any athletics. Like, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We're sex. We leads. need our rest days. We, we, are, we, we are sex leads. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. What is the preferred tool of the trade in the impact scenes? Yeah. So, Ooh. so I'm, I, um, like to use a heavy flogger, like heavy. Like what we see at most of the dom cons and things are these little wimpy little fine things. These are this is heavy, heavy flogger. He's gonna go get it. I am actually gonna run away and grab a toy that my mother gave Perfect. me real yes. quick. I'll Do be it. right back. Do it. Do it. You should bring out the carpet beater, the flogger, and the paddle. So this is a heavy buffalo hide flogger. These Ooh. fronds are pretty heavy. You can't really see it on this on this thing, but they're thick and they're heavy. And this whole thing weighs a lot and it's perfectly balanced. And I can swing this and, and hit her with like pretty intense strokes hundreds of times with this thing. And and that's one part of it. And so that's, that it starts with two or three hundred of that. Yeah. And then it moves to So this is a carpet beater. This thing that ooh. This was a carpet beater. This thing hurts. It's made out of a. Uh, it's made out of wire. Plastic wires. Yeah. And it's also really well balanced. And and these things. These, the surface area is tremendous. This thing hurts. It turns her ass really red. I can only imagine. I yeah. can only imagine. She said it hurts like fuck. Yes. That, that's yes, her words. Yes. And then I use a a leather paddle. Right. So we have. The leather side. Oh, it's studded inside. And then we have the studs as well. And she has several hundred strokes with this. Nice. Just to warm up. So that's the, the warm up before at Caner. And then Caning has transformed. What's this? Yes, this yes. This is something yes. my mother actually gave me. And it looks like it's it's the like cat of nine tails. It's a cat of nine tails, and it is this handle is filled with birdshot. To oh, give wow. you an idea how much so weight it's kind. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. How heavy this fucking thing is. So it doesn't seem like it's balanced because the. Oh, no, it's definitely not balanced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the thing about you can it. Definitely, flogger, you can definitely get some. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I don't think. The thing about a good flogger is that it has balance because 
It's got to be something that you can well, like, like generate. Well, because they're throwing it hundreds of times. Yeah, if they're not throwing it hundreds of times, they don't need it. They don't yeah. care. <laughs> I've got other floggers that aren't well balanced that I just don't use because they don't they don't like lend themselves to the rhythm that I like. Right. Well, one of the things that's amazing though is that he'd always told me he marks his property. So that was the caning part. And we started with the cane. He's going to go get his cane. Oh, uh, nice. We started with the caning and. Initially, I was just taking whatever he would give me, three, five, whatever strokes. And then he could read my body language and then would stop. But one of the times we were playing, I said, thank you for my, thank you, daddy, for my mark or something like that. And and then we were, because he usually fucks me in between the cane strokes. And so then I asked for another mark. I said, can I have another mark at a point where he was like, not like waiting. Like he was like, what? And so then that started us on a path of the agreement is that he will, all, he will tell me it's ready to start caning and he will always give me my first mark because he marks his property and it could stop right there if I wanted. But then I asked for whatever marks I want. And I don't know what it is. Cause I am a switch by giving me that little bit of, power control over my masochism experience. Now we're up to like 25 strokes. And these are heavy canes. This is a heavy cane. It's been soaked in linseed oil. It's heavy. It's soaked. It's it's got a lot of mass to it. It's a fucking beast. And and it hurts. But but it's designed. But you have to hit me so hard now because I've got a toned ass. she's She's been flogged so many times and caned so many times. Like you're talking about daily spankings, weekly markings for four years, right? It takes a lot to So mark she's me. got a very seasoned ass. And so I have to mark her. In order to mark her, I've got to produce a bruise that's deep enough that it actually marks. Because if I just if I just hit her lightly, it doesn't mark. So it requires a heavy weighted cane to produce a mark in her. And like she said, she's now requesting up to 25 strokes with a heavy cane by somebody who marks her. And that's a little bit of a mindfuck as a masochist to say, I'm asking for my next blow. And and she's being marked by a sadist who hits her with a lot of force. He doesn't ease up. Right. And because I'm, I'm about marking her. So I'm hitting her with enough force to mark her. And so her ass is often torn up. But what's really remarkable is within a week, it's gone. What's the technique? Are you like putting your full hips into it? Like is it a full baseball swing or like? How do you, I don't know. I don't ever see it. Right. I'm bent over, so I don't ever see it. <laughs> there's definitely technique to marking. And it really has to do with the way the cane impacts the rear end or whatever the part is you're marking. You don't want the tip of the cane to be past it because you don't want the cane to bend and break. So you want you want the end of the cane to be on the tissue. But, you know, you're talking about developing. It's kind of like a golf swing, right? In a golf swing, your hands move from <laughs> here to here. This and is the, amazing. The club, <laughs> the club is moving from like here to there. It's moving hundreds of miles an hour by the time it gets there. So that's the same thing that's happening with a cane. So you have to, you know, control the amount of force that you're generating because the tip of the cane is moving very fast. There's a lot of energy. So we think of these, these tools as ways for me to give her energy. Like they're, they're actually, we call it energy play, right? It's not just 
impact play, but it's energy play. So I'm, I'm generating energy and I'm giving her my energy. And I'm, I keep doing that in a way that raises her ability to accept the energy. And that sort of is an access to an energy experience that we have together that in between, like after, a, after an impact scene and then I fuck her, like we both experience energy that is um, definitely in the world of energy play. It doesn't, it no longer is in the world of sex. It happens. It's not like I'm fucking her. She's getting fucked. It's like we're connecting energetically. Like it's almost like I like to describe it like the cilia on my cells and my penis are interacting with the cilia on her cells and her vagina, kind of like, Avatar, where you get that like electrical connection. <laughs> tail to tail. You know, that's how it really feels. It's really quite remarkable. Holy shit. Well, and then sometimes when I go, when I went to like 25, and that's happened all this year, like my numbers have got jumped this year. Um, there's been reasons I've stopped, not because of the pain, but because I was starting to fall so deep. I didn't know if, I didn't know where reality was I was starting to lose a sense of myself enough that I wouldn't be able to communicate anymore to stop like or anything and and I made it and I remember telling him I could have gone on more I really felt like I could have gone on more but I stopped because I couldn't control where I was diving yeah so that gets said what's the responsibility of a dominant right and so my responsibility is her well-being. So I've got to be responsible in the scene. So while she's going into subspace and getting impact, I'm in dumb space and also having to be responsible for how she's physically responding to me so that I don't take her past a limit, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's one of the impacts of being on the other side of that conversation. Yeah, that, that sounds like a crazy balancing act of like making sure you're getting yours, but also making sure that she's okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. In a state where you're, it's an abnormal state, a mental state. It's a mind state, And it's yeah. an interesting because aftercare for both of us, because we both have aftercare, although he's self aftercares and he's aftercaring me. Um, I'm usually just conked on the couch and passed out. And he, because I'm on the low end of the spectrum and I'm trying to regain Maya's consciousness. And he's on a huge high. Like super adrenaline high. And yeah. so he has to sit and try to calm down and have a whiskey usually to slowly sip over an hour to try to bring himself back down to a point where, yeah. you know, we meet each other at some point. Yeah. And then, and then after that, we normally debrief. And it might take her several hours to come down. Yeah, sometimes because, I'm, I'm up for a long time. Because yeah. the the intensity of those scenes is is really more than anything that normal people experience. I've never had regular sex and felt like that. <laughs> like I've been like regular sex, orgasm, done, roll over, sleep. You know, I mean, that's really what it's been like. Uh, this is a whole different experience. <laughs> it absolutely sounds amazing. Like you're, you're selling me. Like maybe I should go out and like experiment more. Fuck. <laughs> we are enrolling you in sacred sexuality. Yes. Fuck, uh, is there a tuition I got to pay? <laughs> a little. It's a little tuition. Yeah, it's not, not a lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't want student loans to... You know, <laughs> yeah. The interest rates will kill you. Like, I, yeah, do I have to go to Fannie Mae and be like, 
So I'm enrolling in sexu- sacred sexuality. Um, what's the interest <laughs> rate on this? Uh, <laughs> more people should be taking cues from you guys. Like that, like for the audio audience, both of them are older. Like you guys are later on in life. Yes. You are fucking killing it much better than any fucking 20 year old like out there. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I if if I yeah. if I could have one thing, it would be that I would have this experience earlier in my life. Like we would have met earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a whole societal process to get into relationship and marriage, right? And that's why the divorce rate's like 50%, maybe more, just for first marriages. Um because we don't really get connected sexually. You know, what we decided to do was begin our relationship on the basis of our sexuality. So we decided to have a sex Sex forward, forward, kink forward relationship. We were going to relate to each other as sexual creatures first. That was going to be our first way to interact. And out of that, we would build relationship on top of that. Well, we discovered that the sex was great and we actually liked each other, and we were (laughs) aligned, and we wanted to build relationship. And so the kink and the sex came first, then the construct of relationship developed, and then she started to have feelings of more intimate, related, like loving, like like feelings, right? And that led to a a deeper connection. And I espoused that early, too. In in fact, I I too was on my own journey of like full self-expression, and I was like... I have these feelings. I can't deny them that I have them for him because they're unlike any feelings in my past of what I knew love was in a romantic way. Right. And I, I was worried like to say something like to someone sometimes in relationship, that's like the kiss of death, like, Oh, that just killed a relationship. But I was willing to risk it all. Cause up to that point, I felt like even if he gets scared and runs away, I haven't lost anything by what I've learned about myself in the time we've spent together. I, this has been transformative for me and this will guide me in my next path. Right. So I just t- kind of told him, even though it was scary, it was scary for me for sure. And I knew he wasn't expecting it. And I just told him, I, you know, was curled up in a ball I'll, I'll tell across you, the room telling him. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you out of touch. I was, I thought when she said, I have something to say to you that she was going to say she's moving out and she's moving on. That's out of touch. I was. Oh, right? no. And she's like, actually, I'm like, I'm in. I'm, I'm all in on this. Right. And, and I just had to accept that that's where she was. And it took. And it was OK that he wasn't there. I wasn't looking for him to tell me back, like placate me. Yeah. I was like, I just have to say this and I have well, to get it out there and you can do with it what you want. I'm not I have no expectations on it, but this is the first time I'm experiencing this. So I'm going to say it. So and what I, was your reaction in the moment? Yeah, what was it? Well, I was like, I was like, okay, good. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, okay, good. And I was like, well, you know what I said was, I mean, me- that, that, that's a little rough reciprocation. They're like, oh, no, I just no, poured no. my heart what out. Said, what, what I said was, okay, good. You make my life better. I, this is this is okay. I, I can be with this. I'm going to be with this because you know my own journey, Matt, was I was confronted by I didn't think I was a lovable human being. Like I didn't think that love was available to me. Right. I was like, even after a long marriage and children. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like it, right. She's telling me like she loves me. And I'm like, okay. Let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
because, you know, I, I spend a lot of my effort finding evidence why I'm not lovable, right? So for me to be able to be with somebody telling me she loved me was actually a big step for me. And Did it scare you? No, I wasn't scared because um, I had um, already, like uh, almost a year and a half before, made a choice to seek intimacy. Like I'd made a choice. And in that conversation about that, I had to be present to... I can't say who's going to show up. I'm just going to be present. Whoever shows up, I'm going to accept whatever they show up with. And I'm just going to be with that and see what it's like to be somebody who's loved. Because up till then, I didn't think I was capable of actually being loved. Right. So when she says, I'm feeling loving feelings towards you, I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> I, I, You make my life better. I'm going to be with that. Right. And I was okay with that. I was because that's the beauty of a relationship is it's not always a projection on your partner and, it, and you're looking for this reaction. It's a personal growth for yourself to say, wow, I've never been able to say that. Not, not honestly, like I said the words when I was married, but, but that's what society told me. That's about looking good. That's what I'm supposed to do. Right. I didn't have those feelings. Now that I have the feelings, I realize now I didn't have those feelings. I was just going through this looking good motion kind of thing of what's expected of me. And now I felt it was overwhelming. I was like, is, I'm going to pop if I don't say this. I have to say this. I, I cannot live with myself if I don't say this, even if he can't accept it. It doesn't change how I feel. My feelings are real. And so I just said, I have to tell you this. Yeah. And that started the journey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming back beforehand, like when you said it before, you may have believed it at the time and then in retrospect been like, nope, that was not real. Well, I think it's more like this. I think we say, I love you to our our spouse because we're expected to say, I love you to our spouse. Like, And, and the, the I love you is not uh, an expression of love. It's a statement of, of the marriage, of greeting. It's like, hi, or oh, goodbye, I love you. Like it doesn't actually carry the weight of love with it, right? This was different. This was a first experience for me of reflecting on this woman is actually expressing love for me. Like she's actually, she has affinity, she has approval, she has connection, she has relatedness, she has, you know, kindness, joy, happiness, generosity, all of that's coming at me like out of a fire hose. Which he, he right? initially thought, this is just too weird. Like there's something going on here. This, this can't be this way. I can relate uh, to that. I'm a WYSIWYG. I, it didn't yeah. change. Real love is supposed to be as chemically addictive as fucking cocaine. It is. Yes. No, it, it, really it is. is. It is. It's absolutely a drug. It's, it it <laughs> is. Look, but, you know, so there's plenty of people I've said, I love you too. I definitely don't love them like cocaine. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> right. yes. No, this is different, you know, and, and we, like I'm on an inquiry about about my journey in love, right? And and I'm really present that I, you know, what we have as a construct as um, sort of modern Western living creatures is what Disney portrays as love, right? Yeah. It's like this Cinderella. very very Cinderella kind of experience, and that's not what it is. You know, love is a verb, right? It's yes. an action word. And you have to be in the realm of being in action to show love, both on either side all the time. Like, well, and the key is this. Well, we were married, typical ceremonies and marriages and stuff, and the way people give you advice. 
It's like, you know, you're, you're coming together and making one You're it's, which then creates the idea in people's head, just automatically a 50, 50 partnership that we build this one thing. That's not, we've learned that is absolutely not true. That is not how you make a healthy relationship. How you make a healthy relationship is I am a hundred percent responsible regardless of what he does, I'm a hundred percent responsible for the health and wellness of our dynamic in our relationship. And I am too. I'm a hundred percent. And over there he is. And that it isn't keeping track or score, which I did in my marriage. Look at, I did this for him. What is he doing? Where's the score? Are we keeping track? Are we lining up? The minute you're tit for tat for any interpersonal relationship, shit is fucked. It's, it's contempt. Right. And yeah. yeah. So, so we believe that a relationship exists because we're a hundred percent responsible and she's zero percent responsible. And she believes she's a hundred percent responsible and I'm zero percent responsible. And so once we're each taking full responsibility for the relationship, it has a much higher probability of, of um, working. Right. Because anytime I think I see something up, I get to talk to about it. And anytime she thinks she sees something up, she gets to talk about it. And we don't have any rules about talking about it. We can talk about anything. Yeah. Right. But we, what we don't talk about are the stories we make up about what's so. We talk about what's so. We talk about what actually happened. And we actually, you know, because we're, because we're humans, we actually have an agreement about how to deal with breakdowns. But we also believe that breakdowns lead to breakthroughs. Right. So it's up to us to create the breakthrough. And that all lives, like, like I keep saying, it's all communication. We live in a world of words. The words govern our life and our world, and we get to be responsible for the words we use. So I'll give you an example about responsibility. I wake up every day excited that I'm beside my partner, and I create him newly every day. So in my marriage, it's just like, oh, it's the same old guy sitting next to me, the same old habits I do. Goodbye, honey. Good night. You know, all the habits that you do in a marriage, right? I create him newly each day. So like part of our, I don't know if it's our ritual. Part of it is a task, but but my ritual that I added to this is I write him a love note every morning and I get up at God awful hour at 4 a.m. because my work is really early. And I sit quietly at the table and write him a love note and leave it on his desk so that it's the first thing he gets, which my note creates him newly in that day. Like how he interprets himself as my partner is new based on how I write it. And it could be funny or it could be sexy or it could be whatever. And then one of our tasks is when I'm apart from him. So so what you're talking about is a protocol. Yeah, like a protocol task is I wear a butt plug when I'm away from him. So that he's near me and with me all the time. And then when we're together, I don't have to do that, right? Is so it one of the I, Wi-Fi enabled bu- butt plugs? No, no. Yeah, not, not vibrating. <laughs> but uh, um, that'd be amazing if he could just control it. We, we've had those, we're but they don't know, work very well. But that's, not point, right? that, but that's not the point. I'm not like like we're in a 24-7 dynamic. So I don't need to titillate her all day long. She's already, she's already I'm already titillated. She's already titillated. <laughs> But I want her, but I want her plugged so that she gets that she belongs to me. And so, you know, literally she's wearing a plug away from home for four years. Eight or 10 hours a day. Right. And, you know, I take a picture and then so like and when he wakes up, because he wakes up later than me, he'll get a good morning text. He'll get a picture of the butt plug. 
he'll later find his coffee is all prepared in the morning for him when he gets up. He has his note. But think about it. People think of this as all just service stuff. But the idea is I'm creating him in that day, making his day so seamless and joyful in our dynamic for both of us creates ourselves newly each day. Yeah. Like we don't take each day for granted. It's not just another day. It's an actual, another day for us to live fully into the day, like fill every moment of the day until we retire at night. I mean, that is a level of dedication. Fuck. Absolutely. But that's what it takes. We like to say that we use the day up, right? We use the entire day. Like at the end of the day, when we go to sleep, there hasn't been a moment in the day that we haven't been present to and used. It's not wasted time. Yeah. Ever. Because this is it. Matt, this is it, right? This is the the entirety of it. I think based on our marriages and we're older and based on the, the time we, you know, wane about sometimes that we lost, that we're now not willing to give up a moment yeah. to waste. Like every day has to be lived into fully. Oh, I can only imagine, like, I, I'm making this up so you guys are a little bit older than me. But even then, you know, I'm in my early 40s. The amount of people that I have lost over my lifetime is just like, it is a stark reminder of like, oh, we have finite time on this fucking planet. Absolutely. We're not getting off the dirt ball. No, this no. is it. There are no other it's. This is the only it. This is the whole show. This is the whole show. This is it, baby. Yeah. So you might it. as well you might as well live fully. Like I say, you know, we smell the roses. We enjoy the meals we make. We're very particular about the cocktails we drink. We're very particular about the sex we have. And we do it very, <laughs> we do it very intentionally, right? And we live our life intentionally. And it's it's I don't know. It's amazing. It's, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. hard to it's hard to share with you because I don't know if they get it. But it's amazing. I wish there was a thing that like we could more hammer into young people. Cause like yeah. at, in my twenties, I definitely felt like I was immortal. Like, sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did yeah. too. I did too. I, I think that's just part of the human existence. Like late teens, early twenties, like, oh, I'm going to live forever. Like no motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. When you get older, <laughs> like people are just going to die around you. I'm like, oh shit. I'm going to be one of those people at some point. At some point people are going to be at my fucking funeral and be like, I remember when. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we we just want to make we want to make the most of it. You know, like I said to the other day, what I have maybe like what twenty or thirty good summers left. I know when he says it like that, that's scary. <laughs> right. But it's true. Like it's literally, true. one of my true. friends just posted pictures of us from twenty years ago on Facebook. Like he's right. like, oh, he was cleaning out his dad's house and found pictures of us from like twenty years ago. I'm like, holy fuck, we're gonna be dead soon. Like, like Listen. as morbid as it is, but it, it means like I need to be in the fucking moment. I need to fucking embrace everything because yes. this shit is finite and we need you, to be on it. I can tell you that she and I are now living our best lives in the second half oh. of our life. Oh my God. We're living yes. our best life. We're, we've never had such a consistent experience of nirvana. Like we literally well, live in bliss. And not in nirvana. Obviously in sex, it's obviously there. But I mean, in if you just look at your life, us walking through a park together, holding hands, it's just like, I never experienced that. In all my years of being married, he'd walk in front of me, I'd be tailing behind, there was a domineering situation going on all the time. I'm holding his hand and we'll stop. Oh, we got to take pictures of these flowers. These are amazing. And, you know, it sounds goofy, but we're present. We're there. We're not 
talking about our laundry list or all the to-dos we have. If we're walking in a park, we're there. Bullshit five-year plans. With COVID, like, yeah, really illustrated me. Like, I already thought five-year plans were bullshit, but, like, after COVID, it's like, really? You're really, like, worried about your five-year plan? None of this shit is promised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fucking- yeah, you know, like from from 2020 to now, there are a million people in America that are dead. That, that means yeah. a million families lost somebody. That means there's, you know, I mean, the fact is that all of this is temporary. We could, be, we could get hit by a comet. We could get hit. I mean, Russia could like launch a nuclear weapon. I mean, like, all of hell, this- we could just be hit by a car walking across the street. Walking exactly. across the street. I know. Yeah. It's so fragile, human life. You only have right now. That's yeah. it. So live your best life right now, the most authentic way you are. And I mean, wow. I really wish we could hammer this home to younger people who are still in the like, I'm immortal so far. Like, yeah, you're not going to hammer it home to them. It's hard because we're both, I I taught in higher ed too. And the idea is until they get to about 25, their brains aren't even cooked yet. So they're not even rational in certain areas to take it all in. I agree. And yeah. hell, at I mean, 25, like, I still like was real fucking thing. being real, like, real reckless. So yeah, it's wild to me like that so much maturity can happen in between like 25 and like mid thirties, like that 10 year span, like so much more you can live out, learn out of life than you could in like the first 25 before that. It's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's possibly a failure as people as parents, just like not really hammering that point home. It's hard, though, because once you get past a certain age, you stop listening to your parents as the influence. And the reality is it's really up to you. But the problem is society has all these structures that tell us this is what you have to do to be a real good human. This is what you need to be doing. And so we kind of bought we we, and it's we, all, it's we all drink wrapped. the Kool-Aid and we think, yeah, this is what we're supposed to do, even though we don't know if that's for us. It's all wrapped up around, you know, getting a job, getting a career and finding a partner. And it doesn't really get into getting related, figuring out what love is. Finding happiness. Figuring what happiness is. Like, we don't have those lessons as kids, you know. We don't have, like, how, think, but think how do you learn our, how to be parents, happy, right? Our parents, and bless their hearts, but they don't have the skills. We have to have a class to get a driver's license. We get training on a driver's license. We don't get training to be a parent. Or, or, or be a partner in marriage. We don't exactly. Get Those are the things we do not get training in. Yeah. I know. And it's kind of fucked up as a society. You just have to learn from example from your parents. And if they're fucked and their parents are fucked. And, and they can't that. help it because they're trying to learn on the fly, too. That's the problem. You can't really blame unless they're being abusive. You can't really blame people because they're really just flying from the hip. Well, well and the thing about it is even, even when they're being abusive in some situations, yeah. it's because they don't know any better. Like, yeah, no, there's, a, there's a lot of research on this that people tend to behave more like their same-sex parent. And on a gradient, over time, we get to break the cycles. But you actually have to have an intention yourself to break the cycle. You actually have to get, you know, present yourself to what's required. You can't rely on the training you've had because your parents don't have the training. We talked about this on your guys' podcast for a moment. That is actually the exact reason I'm going to have a vasectomy because my father was not well-equipped to be a father. Right, exactly. But he, want, he wanted nothing more in life than to have a family because he came from a broken home. I never met my grandparents on his side, right. but they were a broken home. He wanted nothing more to have, like, have a family that loved him, and it turned out to be 
fucking super broken and nobody nobody came out of that unscathed. I don't want to bring someone into this world and be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna continue this cycle of bullshit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's actually the way it is. That's true, really true. I'm I'm happy that like I've at least been like, oh yeah, that's fucked. Don't need to continue doing that. <laughs> so many people like in all reality. And my mom, my mother listens to this. My father's passed on a couple of years ago, but my mother listens to this podcast. At the end of the day, like they should not have bred. I should not have. <laughs> 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 Too late. I'm here, but they should have had no business <laughs> being parents between the two of them. That's funny. <laughs> well, but you have to like you have to take a step back and acknowledge that shit. It's like I have zero memories of them together of them not fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And like the idea of like bringing someone into this world to like, oh, hey, this is going to be your existence or ending up like my father who did everything he could in his mind to do the right thing. He worked two jobs. So we lived in like a middle class like community. There was always food on the table. But Jesus Christ, he was a fucking miserable human being to accomplish that. That's yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's like we're trying to like live into a story that we think we have to live into. And yet there are other families who live in poverty who are happy as fuck. Well, that's, that, that's why that's why we've had to break the cycle. Right. That's why we decided to take on a new way of experiencing each other. We chose to build a relationship based on there's nothing wrong ever, ever. And we're going to create each other. And, and that just, and we're responsible you know, there's, there's what's so, and there becomes sometimes a, a communication that we have to understand what so is, but there's really nothing wrong. We only as humans make things wrong in our heads. We just decide right, right. that they're wrong. Yeah. And also doing the right thing doesn't necessarily mean actually doing the right thing. Yeah. How do you mean? Well, it's like society says you need to provide or do these things. It's not necessarily making that choice necessarily is the right thing. No, but no, that's, no. And that's not even what, so that's just a made up thing by society. Yep. Society's just put that forth as an ideal. That's where kink is like so cool, right? Cause we live in agreements. We actually make an agreement to live a certain way. And now we live. So, so we've shared with you quite, you know, completely like what our life is like, right? We have protocols that guide our existence. We have ways of relating in a DS dynamic. We have, a way of relating to each other in our sexuality. We have a way of relating to each other in conversation. We have a way of relating to each other in agreement. We have a way of relating to each other around creating our day-by-day experience of each other. And that's a new way of experiencing life. And honestly, we can both say without any equivocation, we're living our best life. And that's honestly how it should be. Yeah. Living a life that makes doesn't hurt anybody and makes you happy should be the goal for fucking everyone. Well, that's right because life is empty and meaningless and it's empty and meaningless that it's empty and meaningless. And we get to create meaning by taking on what's important to us so that our life has meaning in the moment because life is moment to moment. It is. Totally. It totally is. And I'm ecstatic for you guys. It's fucking (laughs) awesome. We're ecstatic. Well, I, I hope so. You're actually living it. I'm just like an outside observer. Like it's like the best. Yeah. And I, I wish more people would find that shit. Like more people would get over their bullshit and just be fucking honest with well, what they want. We, and even when we do coaching, some people start the coaching and stop it. And the idea is 
a lot of people are, I will say it because I'm a dominant when I'm coaching. They're lazy. They don't want to put the work in. They want uh, tips and tricks to get to the end goal. Uh, If, you know, for example, even with weight loss, if I'm overweight, I just want a pill that will help me get to where I want to be. Everybody knows exactly how to lose weight. You eat less and you exercise more. They know that. But, but what they, they don't want, want to do it. What they want is a tip or a trick to help them lose weight. They don't actually want to do the right. work. And the and same is true in same relationships. Same things with relationship. It, yeah. There's no tips and tricks. It's really, they want us to always tell them, well, what is it really? Tell me really. And I'm like, well, you have to do the work. It's because I'm not you. You have your own affinity for things you want in relationship. You have to discover that. You have to ask those big questions of yourself and really ask them. And even if they're hard to hear, I think we're talking to one person one time that had an epiphany, you know, because we're kinksters. So we're dealing with a lot of times kinksters, but someone was like, and then I figured out I love adult diapers. Okay. That's not our kink, but I'm not going to judge. But that seemed to resonate for that person. I go, well, then all these partners you've been looking for up to this point have not been aligned with that. Shouldn't you find a partner who's aligned with that? Because that sounds like that speaks to you. And they're like, huh. I'm like, wow, full self-expression. You need to have full self-expression to be authentic. You need to find the right partner. You don't find the the pinup girl that you think is the fantasy that you think you should be with. Find a real partner that can fulfill you in all ways. I agree. One, unfortunately... A lot of human existences. Oh, you like me? Well, I like you because you like me. Not necessarily because you're a good fit or we're compatible, but oh, you like me? Okay, cool. We're in. Yeah. 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 And there's a difference between just sex, sex, and I get that. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're, but when you're, because you were in this kind of query where you were having lots of sex whenever you wanted with whoever you wanted but you were left empty and people were like, but man, you're having all this sex. Yeah, I but was, it was like he, what he was really wanting was relatedness, I wanted, relationship. I wanted intimacy and, and relationship. Yeah. So, you know, it, it came down to that. I realized that the sex had to be where I wanted it to be for it to be appealing to me. And so that's why I was seeking a sex forward, king forward relationship. But what I was seeking was intimacy and vulnerability and relatedness. And, you know, that was an inquiry that took me four years to figure out. Like I went on a deep dive into the world of kink deep, for four years. Deep dive. Yeah, like a deep dive, you know. <laughs> and I really had to discover who I was as a sexual creature and what it was that moved me and what it was I needed. What kind of sadist What kind of sadist I was, right? Like all of that had to be explored. And after doing that, I realized, okay, this is the kind of partner I need, somebody who's actually into what I'm into sexually. And now that gives me an opening to discover intimacy and relationship because what I didn't want to have happen was to find somebody that I was really attracted to who was in, into relation with me, but who wasn't into what I was into sexually. That would make no sense, right? Right. That's a recipe for disaster down the road. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we got. Uh, that's amazing. But hey, it's actually perfect timing on that. It's about time to call last call on this motherfucker. <laughs> Where can that, my audience find you guys on everything? All right, all over the place. So the Kinky Cocktail Hour is, a, is on every podcast platform. 
You can find us on FetLife. I'm Safra Master on FetLife. She's Lady underscore Petra on FetLife. On Twitter, you can find us at Master 206 Saffer mm-hmm. and also Slub USA at Slub USA. And our website is ladypetraplayground.com. And the, all your all the links are there for Lady Petra Play, 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 Playground. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys. Like this was a blast. I enjoyed the hell out of doing a double header with you guys. Yeah, that yeah, was, was fun. Cool. Thank you. It's and good to it, meet you, Matt. No, it was good to meet you guys as well. And as always, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook, twitch.tv slash Matt F Slayer, the Patreon at patreon.com slash Matt Slayer. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter, and Now We Drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That's awesome. Thanks, Matt.